if I would fill in for him this morning uh, while they went and enjoyed themselves and immediately thought, well, what, what am I going to talk about? And so I just kind of just let it, you know, just set. And one day we were in the green room getting ready to pray before service a few weeks ago and the Lord just dropped this little thought in my heart and I couldn't get away from it so I know it's got to be for somebody this morning. Now I'm going to look in the book of Mark, Mark the fourth chapter. We're going to start with the 35th verse and it says, And the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. My, my, my. Now when I read that, there's a lot of things that come out of that scripture to me. But some of it good, some of it not so good. How many of you know the word will hit you like that sometimes? Sometimes it'll encourage you and sometimes it'll spank you. And sometimes a little bit of both in the same breath. But we're living in one of the most pivotal times in the history of our world. Not only the world, but also one of the most pivotal times in the history of the church. Now, does this mean that the world and the church is the same? No, it means that we navigate, navigate many of the same troubles many of the same trials, many of the same hardships, many of the same things that we face. But what sets us apart from the world is how we navigate and how we respond to them. How we come out of them. How we go through them. What's going on in the middle of them. Now, we don't like it when storms arise. Anybody in here like the storm? We don't like it, but... They arrive, they come, they show up, they come in all shapes and all sizes. For some, it might be health-related issues. For some, chronic illness, job loss, marital uh, marriage difficulties, trouble with your children or grandchildren, loneliness, depression, separation, bitterness, unforgiveness. But storms are never easy. Storms are never easy. It's never a walk in the park. If you don't believe it, wait till somebody says a Cat 5 hurricane's headed to Pensacola and you watch how crazy things get. Gets crazy. Storms are not easy. And in our text, after deciding who was ready and willing to follow Jesus to the other side, Jesus' closest disciples followed him into the boat. Verse 23 said, when he got in the boat, his disciples followed him. Now, they had done sifted out the curious and uncommitted from amongst the disciples by 
clarifying the price that was going to have to be paid. And Jesus got into the boat and the boat was made ready by his previous instruction. Now, Jesus' leadership is seen with him getting in the boat first and his disciples' commitment is seen in their willingness to follow him no matter what. Now, I don't know about you, but days, sometimes that no matter what, mm, it gets a little hard. No matter what gets a little difficult. No matter what ain't so easy. No matter what's easy to say, but no matter what ain't easy to do. But they followed him and were willing to follow him no matter what. Now, as we look at this, his disciples were not merely the twelve. Uh, Mark mentions in verse 36 that they had other boats following him. It wasn't just the one boat. There was other little boats following him. Now, let me stop right there to say this. You always going to have those following along just to watch what's happening in your boat. I don't, I don't think you heard. You always going to have people following along. They're going to be looking at you. They're going to be watching you. They want to see what's happening in your boat. Now, even those that was just riding in the other boat, just watching on and looking, they followed Jesus not knowing what exactly to expect. And in following him, they would have an opportunity to hear his word, to witness his work, and to enjoy his presence. Now, they didn't know what the future held, but they were about to find out who held the future. Oh, my God. Now, crossing to the other side of Jesus wasn't going to be easy. It wasn't going to be a walk in the park. It said, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being covered with the waves. But Jesus himself, the scripture said, was asleep. Now, the Sea of Galilee is an unusual body of water. The pear-shaped lake is small, 8 miles wide and 13 miles from north to south, but it's 150 feet deep and it's 680 feet below sea level. Now, this makes it real strange. And so what happens is uh, water gushing down from the mountain plateau, including 9,200 foot of Mount Hermon, it cut deep ravines in the mountain. And these ravines would act like great funnels drawing violent winds down from the heights right onto the lake without warning. See, the word behold indicates that this storm come up suddenly. This storm come up out of nowhere. Now, all day long, there had not been a breath of air. That sultry heat was like a furnace steaming the air up. A cool breeze then toward the evening is pulled off the mountain into the vacuum of those ravines. And all of a sudden, as it heated up that surface and those ravines began to spit out that air, Faster and faster the air was displaced until there was a turbulence that was so wild that it began to beat the boat, overcome the sides, and the Bible said that it was fiddled. My God, out of nowhere. You you ever took you ever took you ever seen somebody take one of those billows and just start hitting that wind into the fire and then the fire starts raging because of that air? That's what was going on on this water. That wind coming down through those ravines was beating that water and it began to create heat and it began to create turbulence. And the Greek word used here, uh, translated great storm, is it, 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 seismus megas. It is the word where we get the word seismograph, which is a machine that we use to measure earthquakes. So you know what was going on? There was a, it was a seaquake. It wasn't just wind. It was like an earthquake on the sea. Man, I don't know about you. 
like whistling Dixie. I can't even whistle, y'all. We just got it easy. We just, all oh, things are so good. All oh, my baby loves me. But why I sound like Eddie Murphy right here? My baby loves me. Now, let me quit. Everything perfect. Everything going okay. Everything seems nice. Everything's just peaches and cream, man. We, we just got it going on. And then all of a sudden, BAM! The wind comes out of nowhere. The shaking begins to happen. Stuff starts falling off the trees. Oh my God. Out of anybody ever been hit out of nowhere with something that you've seen? Like, I don't know if I can have, out of nowhere you are shook to the core. Out of nowhere something happens that just pulls you so I mean, it tightens you up inside like a ball of yarn. Out of nowhere. I, I guess I'm the only one been hit like that. The Bible talks about Job. And in the book of Job, the first chapter, it talks about a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them and the Sabians attacked and took them. And they also slew the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped the tale. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell. And then the next verse, while he was still speaking, Another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell thee. Mm, my God. I was getting ready for church one morning and I had this, uh, I, I, you know, I'm a little vain about my hair sometimes. So, you know, I got in there, I got pomade, I got hairspray, I got my blow dryers and all that stuff. So I get that. Okay. My wife said I'm the bougiest cowboy she ever seen. <laughs> so I get I get this hairspray and I, I'm about to spray my hair just for some reason. I pick it up like that and I'm about to spray and and, and a warning label on that sucker was like I mean it just popped me right in the face. That warning label jumped up at me and I know God did it. But this is what it said. I was getting ready for church and I looked at it and here's what it said. Warning, contents under pressure. <laughs> Do not puncture or incinerate. Do not throw into the fire. I ain't that stupid. <laughs> Warning. Contents under pressure. Then it said harmful or fatal if swallowed. Now these words caught my attention. Why? Because they summarize the situation that goes on and is going on in so many people's lives. So many of the children of God, many today are living under pressure. They're on the verge of explosion. They're just a few degrees away from losing it. They can't stand the heat, but they can't find a way out of the, out of the kitchen. I mean, it's like, what is going on? The pressure of the trials and uh, the hardships of life seem to be destroying so many living under that pressure, wondering just how much they can take. Some of them need to wear a sign sometimes. Warning, danger, contents under pressure. Ooh, stay away. Walk around like this. No lie, man. I know I ain't the only one that has that pressure sometimes. Look, just because you save, just because you love God, just because you holy, it don't mean you don't face stuff. My problem with the faith movement today in the church is, 
And I am a man of faith. I believe in faith. I believe in confession of faith. I believe in living by faith. But the problem is with the faith movement in today's church is they want to teach you. You just got to speak it. You just got to have faith. And they act like you ain't never going to have a problem. Well, I got news for you. You're going to have problems. There's going to be hardships. And sometimes the weight of it is going to be so heavy that you don't feel like you can move. You don't feel like you can get up, man. I don't know if I'm the only one that has ever woke up in the morning and just said, I don't know if I can get out of bed today. Because the pressure's so strong. See, I point my finger too. I got three pointed back at me, but I, I just realized I ain't so holy that I can't admit it. Sometimes it gets tough. Sometimes life's hard. Sometimes you don't even know how to handle it. Can you imagine? Look, here Job is. Job comes in here. Trouble's coming his way. But before he even gets to comprehend one thing's happened, bam, here's another one. And before he comprehends that, bam, there's another one. One after the other. One after another, he said, I escaped the tail. Only I escaped the tail. Only I escaped the tail. And sometimes you feel like you ain't escaping nothing. Uh, they the only ones escaping because you are, you piled up with it. You going through it. You facing it. You dealing with it. But Job, oh my God, when you look at what happened here. See, Satan, and the Bible talked about when, when, when the sons of God, uh, when, when, when Satan came before the throne of God and God gave him the permission to or, or remove the hedge from Job and allowed Satan to tempt him, allowed him to come against him because he knew there was something greater in Job than that. My God, see, you got to understand something. We may face things. We may go through stuff. We may deal with stuff. We may have the weight of what seems like the universe on our shoulders, but God sometimes lets it happen, not only so we can see that Greater is he that's in us than, than he that's in the world. But so the devil can see that we know that there's something stronger in us. See, people are living, struggling, dealing with hardship. And you can just look and you can just understand and you can just pay attention until they ain't everybody turning to Jesus. The world, not just the church, is full of trouble. It's full of hardship. And then you see the divorce rate. You see the suicide rate. You see the rate of mental illness. You see the rate of all these statistics. And you can see that not everybody is leaning on you. Now there's something troubling about that. Well, well, you know, I, I was hoping you'd preach as happy today. I don't know why God sent me here today with this assignment, but I know I'm here to tell you that there's something powerful about learning to wait on Him in a storm. There's something powerful about learning to wait on Him in the hardship. There's something powerful about learning to wait on Him even when it feels like you want to flee. The first thing that happens to many people when they start going through something is fight or flight uh, but sometimes you just gotta wait sometimes you gotta be patient enough to realize that God is working oh my God one of the greatest things I ever heard in my life was when T.D. Jakes and, 
And Lord, I wish I could preach like that, man. But T.D. Jakes was, he, he was preaching and, and he said, we, and, and in that T.D. Jakes voice, he said, we pray for oak trees and God sends us acorns. <laughs> he said, but you have to be. Yeah. We pray for oak trees and God sends us acorns. Acorns. But you have to perceive that in that acorn is that oak tree. Mm. Sometimes God sends us our answer in seed form. But we got to be patient enough to allow that seed to germinate and begin to grow and begin to expand in our lives. You got to understand that God's not saying no when you pray and He don't show up immediately. Sometimes He's allowing growth to happen on the inside you. Sometimes He's allowing development to happen. Sometimes He's making you into what you ought to be. And sometimes it takes pressure. When you take a piece of coal, it has to be under pressure before a die is formed in the midst of that sometimes that pressure is not there just to take you out sometimes that pressure is there to bring you purpose alright the scripture tells us that Job was a perfect and upright man one who feared God and stayed away from evil but yet trouble still came Trouble still showed up. See, that lets me know that when you go through things, it doesn't matter. I've never been so tired in my life of seeing people think, oh, they're going through all that. Something must be wrong in their life. They must not be living right. They must not be loving Jesus. Sister Franklin, one time my father-in-law, one of the greatest men of God I ever knew, mighty preacher, mighty man of God, he had a heart attack, was in the hospital. And these other preachers said, well, if he was living right, then he wouldn't be going through this stuff. So, I sometimes make you want to just punch the people in the front. I'm sorry. That ain't cold, is it? I told you I'm growing. I'm still trying to grow. Some people just need front punch. So I'm just going to tell you. Let me stop. Not living right. Something must be wrong. No, that's not true. The Bible talks about the rain comes on the just and the unjust. We will all face troubles. We will all face trials. We will all go through situations. They'll be different. Sometimes it might be health. Sometimes it might be other things going on in our life. And sometimes the judge of, 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 of what happens in the midst of it and what people see is not what we're going through, but how we're going through it. How we're going through it. Somebody would tell Job things were going to be all right. Just hold to God's unchanging hand. You all, you hear that all the time, don't you? Somebody said, oh, just hold to God's unchanging hand. Yeah. I better be nice. That's easy to do. Easy to say. Easy to tell somebody. As long as you ain't standing in Job's shoes. But you minute you put on Job's sandals. <laughs> it's easy to give that advice until it happens to you. So what do you do when he comes for you? What do you do when trouble shows up? What do you do when disappointment comes? What do you do when tears come? Evidence tells us that we're not waiting on him. 
But we must learn that we have to trust Him and not seek our own solutions, not try to find our own way out, not try to figure it out ourselves, not try to do it on our own. Because the problem is when we do it on our own, we're developing the flesh and not the Spirit. When we wait on Him and allow the Holy Spirit to build up and work in us and direct us, then we are developing the Spirit and not the flesh. The problem is we want to get in the flesh when this stuff happens. We want to get in the flesh. We, we want, let's jump back to the boat for a minute. The storms were hitting with a vengeance and the disciples were freaking out. Oh my God, we're about to die. And here we are and Jesus is asleep. You ever felt like he's asleep in your boat? Where you at, Lord? I felt like he's asleep. My grandma used to tell me this. Ricky Wayne, you need the patience of Job. Slow down. Let God work it out. Took me a long time to realize what she meant. But now I understand. We are an impatient people. We want results right now. We want everything in a hurry. We don't want to wait for anything. But I want you to know today that God knows just what He's doing. God not only knows what we need, He knows when we need it the most. In this hurry up, do it now. I'm tired of waiting the world we live in. God, got to wait. The Lord doesn't come when we want Him to. We don't think He's coming at all. And so then we began to question. Then we began to out and then we began to try to get in the flesh and work things out ourselves. And then when that don't go our way we get upset. God, why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Back to the boat. Did they truly forget who was asleep in the boat? It wasn't just the average Joe asleep in the boat. It was the creator. It was the word of God. It was the Word made flesh asleep in that boat. It was the Word of God in the flesh. Did, let me let me let me let you understand that the flesh might have been asleep, but the Word was still working. Yeah. They just couldn't see that. The flesh might have been asleep, but the Word never stops working. But they couldn't see that with their natural eye. They woke him up and said, don't you care that we're going to die? What did he do? He spoke to the storms, calmed the sea. But this is the most powerful thing I want you to see about this. He looked at them and said, don't you have any faith? Here's where I'm going. He looked at them. Basically, he said this. How is it? He was astonished. How is it that you have been with me all this time and you still have no faith? That's strong. Sometimes, I've been a Christian quite a while. A few days. And still I look at myself sometimes and think, you idiot. <laughs> How can you not have faith after all you've seen? How easy is it though for us to lose that focus? How easy is it to feel the pressure of the storm and then forget that we have the word of God? 
alive inside. They let their impatience turn to fear, and then their fear killed their faith. That's right. Don't let impatience turn to fear and fear kill your faith. Because he's alive in you. We want instant cures for everything, but we don't want to wait. Waiting's difficult when walk-up tellers, ATMs, drive-throughs, put money at your fingertips 24 hours a day. Waiting's difficult in a world where you can get eyeglasses in an hour. Waiting's difficult in a world where you can take your picture and send it around the globe in a matter of minutes. We want everything faster, every day, more rapidly than the day we had it before. Quick fixes, quick results, quick satisfaction. Uh, satisfaction. We want instant grits, instant coffee, instant stimulation, instant gratification. Waiting is difficult. It's hard to wait in a world where you can eat your breakfast in Atlanta, your lunch in Chicago, your dinner in Los Angeles, and have a midnight snack in Hawaii. <laughs> we live in a fast-paced world. We want God to move, and we want Him to move now. But the scene in the boat and the story in Job remind us today of one thing. You can't hurry God. Job wasn't a super saint with a big X on his chest or a bat cave or a batmobile. He was no different from me and you. He had his good days, he had his bad days, he had his ups, and he had his downs. Job had his trials and tribulations, but he learned how to wait on God. Waiting's hard. He waited even though his days were filled with trouble. Before the last breath got out of the messenger, another messenger came. And told him something else. So what did Job do? Job reminds us we can't hurry God. You can't rush God. But you can always trust God. <laughs> See, he waited even though the more he tried to do right, the more trouble came his way. Remember what we said. Job had been minding his own business, taking care of his 3,000 camels, feeding his 7,000 sheep, plowing with his 500 yoke of oxen. He was minding his own business, living his best life now, serving God, praising God, worshiping God, giving to God with gladness, but trouble still came. See, many people come to church because they feel like it's a ticket to the good life. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to do what I need to do so that trouble stays away from us. Honey, let me just tell you, when you begin to serve God, you put a bullseye on the back because the devil, the devil will take you out. All right? But let me tell you something else. It is the good life. No, it's better than that. It's the great life. But here we are. Trouble still came his way. But watch. Here's where we're going. What did he do? He didn't go to the long shark. Give him grace. <laughs> That's the fast light right there, man. Ain't that stupid? 
He didn't go to the lady of the evening. He didn't go to the man on the corner. He didn't go to the bartender or drug dealer. He didn't go to the pawn shop. But the word of God said, Job arose and tore his clothes and shaved his head and fell down on the ground and worshiped God. <laughs> now keep your hair and your clothes. <laughs> Don't be tearing her clothes and shaving her head. Not every head's made for bald. I know I shaved mine once. <laughs> He fell down on the ground and worshipped God. Golly. Let me show you the difference here between the boat scene and the Job scene. In the boat scene, those who walked with Jesus doubted him in their stomach. In Job scene, the man who never seen Jesus Still took God as a word. And he waited and trusted. And believed God would come through for him. That's a big difference, folks. There's a power in waiting on God in your stomach. Why? Because what happened? Job lost everything. Job lost everything. But then God repaid it double. God rewarded Job for his faithfulness and his trust. I don't know about you. It ain't easy. It's not easy to go through things. It's not easy when you're fighting battles. But there is something about allowing that process of incubation and the seed of the spirit to begin to flourish in your life. You guys got pregnant with your beautiful baby. And it was just a seed. And over time, that seed incubated and grew in that womb. And then when the fullness of time had come, that's why they say she's full term. Because it means the fullness of time has come. That baby was born. And when that baby was born and you held what once was just a seed, it was overwhelming. But you never felt so much glory and faithfulness of God. Yeah. Because the promise that started as a seed now was a baby, was a harvest. Yeah. There's something powerful about allowing the Holy Spirit to do its work even in the midst of the process. Don't allow the devil to rob you of the process. Because sometimes wanting out of stuff quick will cause you not to be the person that God has ordained and called you to become. Why? Because you have no strength. You're just a bunch of glitter. Just a bunch of height. There's no foundation. No foundation. I'm going to leave you with this. When a baby eagle is born, 
are being incubated in that egg. If anybody ever breaks the shell of that egg for that eagle, that eagle is useless. Because that eagle doesn't learn the strength that it has inside to break that shell and come forth. That's the very foundation of that eagle's life when they break that shell. They're learning the strength that they have inside of them. If we always want folk to break our shell and get us out of our issue, we will never become the eagles that God intends to soar in this Learn how to wait. And when I say that, don't just sit there and say, oh God, I'm going to try to make it through. When I say wait, wait in faith. Stand in the midst of your trial, your trouble, your situation, and say, oh God, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I know you have purpose to this process and teach me, oh Lord, what I need to know and how I need to grow to become the mighty man or woman of God that you've got. If you're in here this morning, you're going through something. You're facing something in your life that you have felt like this storm is overwhelming. And you say, I need to have the patience to wait on God in the midst of it. And today is your day. Because God is not asleep in the spirit. And the waves may be rocking your boat and you might think his head's on the pillow, but I want you to know today that the word of God is still working. And it will never fail you. Stand to your feet all over the building for a moment. want to give you an opportunity today if you just need some time I, I told you that when they wanted to follow Jesus they weren't expecting they didn't know what to expect but in following him they got the opportunity to hear his word to witness his glory and to experience his presence so today, through the worship, you've experienced His glory. You've heard His word. But I want to give you an opportunity to enjoy His presence for a minute. If you've been going through something, you've got a storm in your life, and you just need Him, then I want you to step out, and I want you to find your place in this altar. You can stand, you can kneel, whatever you want to do. But I want you, I want you just to come, and I want you to say, Oh Lord, I trust you. I trust you today. Let him know you still trust him. Let him know you're waiting on him. And that your faith is in him. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. We come before you today and thank you for your majesty. God, there is none greater than you. You stood out on the bow of nothing and spoke everything we know into existence. God, you measure the mountains and the scale and the universes in the span of your hand. 
and there is none greater than you. There is none bigger than you, O oh God. Yet you chose to become small enough to live inside us. And so now the power that controls the universe is the power that gives breath to our body. And God will give you glory for it because God, without you, we are nothing. But because of you, we have everything. Father, I glorify you today. I praise you today. And I worship you today. And God, I ask that as every person that's in this building leaves this place, that we leave on assignment this week. God, to take the very presence that we've been washed with today into the streets of our lives. And God, we thank you. We glorify you. We praise you. We honor you. Because you are faithful. Give the Lord a praise. I would say shake somebody's neck, hug their I'm shake somebody's hand, hug their neck. No, I'm just kidding. Shake somebody's hand, hug their neck, let them know you love them. We'll see you this Wednesday night.